Hello and welcome to the Place Tech Podcast. I'm Nicola Byrne. This episode has been brought to you in association with Ascensus, a flexible workspace software supplier. Join us as we explore the latest innovations transforming property. And now we realise your time is valuable, so let's get straight into today's episode. Today we're speaking with Sammy Kamkar, a privacy and security researcher and the co-founder of access control company OpenPath. I sat down with Sammy to chat about his early experience of security after shutting down MySpace with the fastest spreading virus ever, his view on the biggest security issues in real estate, and what companies can do now to prevent being hacked. Oh yeah, I've been interested in security since I was uh, since I was literally a kid. Um, I think the first time I got a computer, I was uh, really I was nine years old. My mom got me a computer, and uh, I went on the internet, and immediately I went into a chat room. And just wanted to chat with people about what my interests were at the time, and my interests were the X Files. So I just uh, I said, "Who wants to chat about the X Files?" And immediately, someone just told me to get out of that chat room. And uh, I thought, "Well, I don't I don't know who you are. It's a random person on the internet." So I said, "No." And they said, "You know, you have you have ten seconds to get out." And I didn't. And ten seconds later, that computer that my mom had spent everything on had crashed. Um, it got this blue screen of death. So I, yeah, I freaked out. I had no idea what to do. I pulled the power out. I waited, I don't know, half an hour because I just, I was so, so terrified. And I plugged it back in and everything was okay. But from that moment, I thought, you know, I was super scared, adrenaline rushing through my veins, but I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Like, how do I do that? And that just catapulted me into this world of technology and, and security and reverse engineering and programming and just understanding how do things work, how can systems be manipulated, uh, and how can we protect against that. And then when you were 19, you were raided by the US Secret Services, which then meant you were banned from using your computer, or at least the internet on your computer for three years. And you recently said in an interview that actually made you get out more, see your friends more. When did that lure to get back onto your computer um, kind of become too much and you were back into the hacking world. Well, yeah, I guess I guess just just to share you that was sort of a, a prank I did on MySpace when I was 19 years old. So I got in trouble, couldn't touch a computer or the internet for three or four years. Um, and then finally, uh, I was allowed 100% back to normal, um, everything allowed. And it started maybe slow. I mean, the day I was allowed back on, I, I went out, I bought a laptop and um, and probably just over the next few months, I really thought about, um, even when I wasn't on a computer, uh, yeah, it really got me out and socializing. But I always had just new ideas in the back of my head. I, was, I wonder if uh, I wonder if phones are revealing this. Um, it's kind of like right when smartphones came out around, uh, let's say, 2007, 2008. And I, I think I, that's what really brought me back into it. I think the iPhone, the first iPhone came out, and I was curious, you know, how does it... Uh, how does it work? What is what chips does it have inside? What information is it sending? And that's when I started learning. Oh wow! Sort of these devices around us, these iPhones and Androids, they're also collecting a ton of information. Um, they're doing a, you know, these are these are really amazing devices and so powerful and give us, uh, you know, really enable our lives. But I also believe really strongly in transparency, and we should just know that what our devices are doing. So I really jumped back in around then. I think that was that was the impetus. That's great. And then when did you exactly get into access control? 
when did you decide to become a part of Open Path, co-found Open Path? Yeah, so I, I met, um, I, primarily I met uh, James Siegel and Alex Kazarani. Uh, let's see, I was, this was quite a while ago. So I believe I was 17 years old. Uh, this is maybe, uh, yeah, this was maybe 15, 16 years ago. Um, yeah, maybe maybe 17. But uh, I had started a company with, with someone else in LA and uh, they uh, my co-founder at the time was friends with James and Alex. And uh, we said, Hey, can we borrow your office? And they basically gave us an office and we even bought, we even bought part of some of our product from them, like a, this, uh, this original business in the voice over IP space. And that's, that's where I originally met them. And uh, we kind of just, you know, always liked each other or always seemed like, Oh, these would be awesome guys. You know, I would love, I would personally love to work with these guys. And uh, so I sort of continued that business. They had sold their business um maybe a year or two later and then they were starting a new business and by that time uh, sort of my business was growing and they said hey can we have some space and we're like of course so they started their next business uh called edgecast as a cd a content delivery network they started that in our office and then that grew and they became a, a massive company um, and they sold to verizon uh, a couple of years ago um and it was around that time that all of us ultimately were free at the same time. And we sort of just started sitting down and saying, hey, what are, you know, what are uh, some things we could work on together? I, yeah, I think it'd be great to work together. And there are a lot of access control companies out there. So what is it that you guys at Open Path are doing differently? Sure. I, I, think, I think it's been pretty interesting. I mean, for one, um, we all come from, I'd say, very different backgrounds. Uh, so I think that sort of gives us and none of us have been in access control, uh, you know, 100%. Uh, I've always been uh, interested in access control security and a lot of, and very familiar with the security vulnerabilities that exist and have demonstrated some over the years. And I think the fact that we all sort of come from maybe a more modern tech background gave us just a different way of looking at this industry and the way that everything has been built. Um, everything was built for a reason and there's nothing wrong with, I think, the, the progression that things have made in this industry. But over the past 10 years, things have been changing significantly when you're talking about technology. Everything is becoming internet connected now, whether you like it or not. Uh, you know, you can't get a new vehicle that doesn't actually have a some sort of internet connection built in. Any device that you're using, whether it's Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, it ultimately connects to something that's either on Wi-Fi or the LAN and is internet connected ultimately. Um, all of this has really introduced a ton of security vulnerabilities. And, uh, you know, just in some of my research, I'm finding that there are just massive, massive buildings and industries who are using technology that, because it's essentially accidentally connected to the internet. It's connected to a, a network of some sort. And that network it, itself is inherently insecure, right? Whenever you go to go anywhere, you're typically allowed to jump on Wi-Fi. Um, or you can speak to devices over Bluetooth or Zigbee or Z-Wave some of these new wireless protocols that are coming out. And once you can do that, you're essentially on the network. You're on the same network as other protect, let's call it protected devices. Um, you, you might, uh, you know, you might put something like a smart TV on your network, but that is on the same network as important laptops and tablets and phones that are performing, let's say, sensitive data or sensitive business. Uh, so now that everything's connected, I think it takes 
it really requires a bigger look at cybersecurity in addition to physical security, uh, where traditionally you have, you've had physical security and cybersecurity as two entirely different departments. You have facilities dealing with physical security and uh, you have your data team or your network team or IT staff dealing with cybersecurity. And I think a lot of that is really converging lately. And I think that's only part of the way we look because in reality, most people don't care so much about security until there's a breach. Um, we think with the way technology is working now, how, you know, when we started OpenAth, we thought, okay, how would we design this if we're doing it from scratch? Because we are, we are doing it from scratch. And that really made us think, okay, well, no one wants these physical access cards, these RFID cards. For one, they're insecure. Um, two, I mean, they're, they're nice. So if you're using, say, a modern encrypted version, uh, that's useful. And we do support that for backwards compatibility and migration. But we just thought, why are we even... Um, you know, everyone's trying to use their phones for everything. Like I'm trying, I'm personally trying to get rid of every, every credit card and everything in my wallet. I would love to not have a wallet because I never forget my phone, but I forget my wallet <laughs> a couple of times now. <laughs> um, so how can we really make that work? And also how can we think about this a little bit differently? Uh, well, I think when we started, we initially said, okay, we'll make an app. We thought that would be great. And honestly, after the first few days, we thought, no, this, this is actually terrible. Uh, because at least with a card, I can go up to a, let's say an entry to my business and I can just swipe my card. That's super quick. But if I pull my phone out, so I pull my phone out, then I have to unlock it. Then I have to get out of whatever app I'm in, whether that's email or Snapchat or whatever it may be. Then I have to find the app. Then I have to find the entry and click that. And the amount of effort, uh, we call it thought cycles, that takes is so much more than just slapping a card against the reader. I, mean, I might as well just tape a card to my phone. That would be simpler. So we thought about that more and we said, well, why do we even need to take the phone out of your pocket or your bag or your uh, you know, backpack, whatever it may be? Why don't we just leave it in there? And as long as you're within range, um, within a short range, it's entirely configurable, then we can do a mutually authenticated encrypted connection and validate the person is standing right there by the door. Let's just unlock the door. So I think we just took a sort of a, a different approach, both inconvenience and security. Um, so now you sort of, you just walk up to the door, you touch the reader with your hand uh, just to say, hey, I want to enter, and that's it. As long as your phone's on you, then you're able to enter. And, of course, we have different security levels. So for maybe a, a much more secure door or network closet or something, you can require the user to pull up their phone, to do multi-factor authentication, uh, to unlock their device, use biometrics, etc. So do you think, then, that people in real estate are getting the issue of security? Um, I don't think people, uh, you know, it, it depends. I'd say in general, I don't think security is on the top of mind because typically the attacks that are occurring, I mean, sometimes you just you just don't hear about them or you just don't know about them. There was a, recently there was a, a Raspberry Pi that was left connected to the NASA JPL network. Um, someone came in and insert, entered this thing and they were able to literally steal and exfiltrate data for, I believe, one of the Mars vehicles. Um, just because this device was network. I mean, that was it. And no one is going to probably figure out where that came from, who it came from. Um, things like this happen every day. And because they're sort of hard to track down, it's a bit amorphous. Uh, so I don't think people are realizing until recently, more and more now they're saying, oh, wow, there are devices on the internet, you can pay $10, um, buy from Amazon or eBay, and then be able to clone people's cards to get in. Um, and I think we're starting to hear, we're starting to get a lot of interest 
on the security side when people actually do have uh, break-ins or they have tailgating and uh, you know we offer tailgating solutions where we can see okay well two in, two people injured but only one person authenticated we should you know raise a warning or reach out to security automatically uh, but I think uh, the biggest thing that we're also finding is I mean uh, just the convenience I mean people forget their card constantly uh, you know sometimes people will ask well uh, you know, what if you forget your phone? And I always ask, have you ever forgotten your phone um, versus have you ever forgotten your card? And it's, you know, 99 out of 100. It's, yeah, I forgot my card, but I haven't forgotten my phone. So how real then are the threats and, and kind of what actions should the real estate sector take to mitigate those risks? So I think, uh, I think one of the biggest issues is really the fact that networks are, being loaded with IoT devices. Um, yeah, we definitely have drones. Uh, there have been some demonstrations and proof of concepts. Um, as you said, uh, you know, I created a Skyjack as a proof of concept of really the insecurity within drones themselves as most of them have zero encryption or very poor encryption that could allow these things to be taken over by any malicious actor. However, I think the the bigger thing, at least for real estate, is, is not necessarily the the devices on the outside, but the devices that are coming inside. Um, people are able to bring their own device, which I believe is a positive thing for the businesses, but we also have all of these other things that we just don't know what's going on inside. We have these uh, smart TVs and uh, sort of smart home devices. I mean, even refrigerators are connected to the internet now. And all of that is connected to, again, the same network that our phones are on, that our computers are on. And now that we have things like HVAC and lights that are also connected, um, all of these are really tied to the, the same sort of building and uh, security level once someone can actually get into that network. Um, so I think it's really important that cybersecurity be more involved in this facilities decision and making sure that whatever it is, that whatever access control system they're bringing in and similar systems on that network are essentially vetted by an IT or security team to make sure, yes, we want to make sure facilities make sure that physically things are locked down, but often now it's someone able to come in through the internet and literally unlock doors if they can pivot in through some other vulnerable device. I think that's where, uh, that's where it's pretty critical to make sure, okay, the things that we're putting into our businesses, into our buildings that are internet connected, we need to make sure are reasonably secure. So what are the three simplest things a company can do right now to prevent them from being hacked? Um, so yeah, so the three things that I would suggest that really any business or building uh, uh, do to really stay protected, uh, for one, for any services you use, whether it's email, whether it's where you store your files, whether it's Active Directory, whether it's social networking, if it offers two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication to enable that. And that's essentially where you... Uh, use an app on your phone like Google Authenticator or Duo, or you receive an SMS when you're logging in, typically from a new computer. That by itself will stop uh, many, many of the attacks that are out there where your password might get, uh, might get leaked from one website and it might be used somewhere else. Uh, the second is really to have, uh, to be using a password manager. Uh, essentially, it's very difficult for people, for humans to remember to use the same password um, across different websites. Uh, so it's, it's much easier for us to remember to use the same password across different websites, but that 
leaves a massive vulnerability. If something that is maybe less secure, something that is a, a site that doesn't have too much importance, if that gets hacked, if that database of usernames and passwords gets leaked, it might not be a big deal for someone to log into your account on that website. But if you're using the same password somewhere else, well, there are bots, there are, uh, there are essentially bots that will automatically take that password and try logging in on other websites like your email or your Dropbox. And if they can get into that, then they've actually really gotten, uh, they're now attacking a, a lot more. So to use a password manager, a password manager only allows, requires you to remember one password while it then protects random passwords, random strong passwords that it generates from many other sites. And I'd say the third thing is really getting the cybersecurity, the network, the IT team involved and really just at the table when it comes to physical access and facilities decisions, because these are no longer two separate divisions in a building. Um, these are really extremely coupled now that everything is interconnected. So yeah, I think you do absolutely need sign off uh, from a network team, a security team, an IT team before making an access control decision or an HVAC decision or uh, connected lights. I mean, all of these are now connected. So I think it takes uh, multiple teams to really validate, okay, is this the right solution for this building that will actually protect people um, and won't expose us to uh, really just massive, uh, you know, massive vulnerabilities as we're seeing with, with many, many companies these days. How safe is OpenPath? Um, you know, nothing is, uh, you know, we don't, we don't think one, anything is 100% secure. However, I'd say that, you know, we've really foundationally built everything with security in mind. Um, we didn't add security. It wasn't an afterthought for us as, as it is with many products. Um, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm one of the co-founders. It's really important to me that every time you're using something, you know, that it is secure. And I think it's very similar to maybe Apple's model when, uh, the iPhone started coming out with this encryption chip called the secure enclave and no one knew it was there. It was just there silently protecting your data. And at the point that people started realizing, oh, wow, it's actually really, really difficult to break into these iPhones, but they were just convenient to use. And now the same thing is across most Android devices as well. But I really like the way that they came out and said, okay, you're not even going to know that all of your data is encrypted by default. It just is. And we take the same approach where we want, we want this to be a really convenient and open feeling when you're using the product. But for attackers, once they start investigating and find, oh, wow, we're actually using state-of-the-art, really modern, open, um, trusted technologies. Uh, we're not building, we're, we're sort of using well-known um, cryptography standards, things that have been sort of uh, attempted to be attacked for many, many years and have really uh, stood the test of time. Great. And also, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but um, it's certainly reflected in kind of the partnerships you've got at the moment. We're starting to see the market shift a little bit. We're starting to see it mature. There's some tech companies that are starting to integrate with each other. Um, what are kind of the big security issues surrounding that? You know, the sharing of information between companies. Um, how do you make that secure? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important that the companies that you work with uh... I think are a that you're sort of maybe restricting what you send to them um, and that they are reasonably secure themselves. But uh, I think it's a huge benefit to be able to work with these different companies because um, there are companies who have spent a lot of effort and a lot of resources dedicating to specific problems and being able to have a really tight integration with them 
I mean, for, for us, I know we uh, started integrating with uh, Cameo and Density, and these are, uh, uh, and Milestone, these are sort of video surveillance platforms and people counting sensors. And, and by combining these, we can now solve a problem that was a big, a really still is a big issue for many, many businesses and buildings, which is tailgating. I mean, knowing, how do I know that, uh, it, it's hard to tell someone, no, you can't come in <laughs> when you've opened the door. Um, it, you know, there's a lot of social pressure to just let a person in because you, you know, they're probably, you know, they probably belong there. Uh, but if you can solve this with technology and just have and say, you know what, if two people walked in, but only one authenticated, then let's just make sure our security checks that person out. Let's do something automatic to, uh, you know, ensure that this person isn't going to say steal a bunch of data or hurt some people or plant a, a raspberry Pi computer and steal, you know, the schematics for the Mars Rover. Um, so I think these are, uh, these integrations with modern companies who are building really cool technology, I think are, are really a huge plus. What are the biggest security issues that you're dealing with right now? Really, it's a lot of legacy systems that are connected to the network. So we're seeing a lot of other systems that are vulnerable and that isn't that could be an access control system or could not be an access control system. It's simply just legacy things that are connected to your network. And if those call out, if those have some method for an attacker to get in, it might not be a big deal to access that specific device, but the fact that it now gives people access to the rest of the network, that is probably the, the, one of the big concerns. So that's why it's really critical to make sure whatever you're putting on your network is secure or is segregated in a proper manner that it can't necessarily communicate with other devices that, that uh, are secure or have or hold sensitive data. What's your focus for 2020? Um, it's definitely around, you know, what are really, what are the new technologies that are becoming available that are becoming widespread, um, that we might be able to take advantage of. We might be able to add convenience and add security. And, uh, again, it's really for, for us, it's how do we tie those two together? How do we tie convenience and security, which typically have been separate, right? Typically the more convenience you have, the less security and vice versa. And we're really trying to, uh, give something somewhat, uh, more reasonable. I think uh, you can build those two together sort of hand in hand. And we have a lot of new technology, so let's take advantage of it if we believe that it is secure and will enhance our lives and just uh, sort of make our daily experience better. So what is the tech that's exciting you then? Uh, I mean, uh, one example um, is I just believe Siphone came out with an ultra wideband chip that allows for a lot of data throughput in a very uh, small area. And it also allows accurate um, positioning. You can know where someone is. And by positioning, I mean, you might want to know what side of the door someone is in, uh, is on. Um, so it, it would allow you to, uh, you know, make sure that in, say, an emergency situation uh, where, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, at least we, we have a lot of risks in the U.S. Um, people are entering buildings that they shouldn't be in. And sometimes you want to make sure that everyone has, let's say, escaped in, uh, or in the case of a fire, you want to make sure people have actually exited or entered and being able to, to see that, whether if that user gives you permission, being able to know that this person, you know, has been accounted for in the event of a, a fire in a building. Um, so they call that mustering. Um, it's pretty interesting technology. And um, we've been playing with it uh, uh, 
know, we, we've been experimenting with it actually for a couple of years now. But uh, once it becomes sort of ubiquitous in phones, then it may it may be uh, super helpful. And it's a very short distance, so it's not like you can say track it over a mile or anything like that. It's just oh, I know what side of the door you're on, for example. That sounds really interesting. And then kind of a final question um, before we close up this podcast. If you had a crystal ball, what would the future of real estate look like in 2050? I think we'll be a lot more connected to just everything around us, right? Our, our Assuming we're still on mobile phones, I think those phones will be really uh, integrated with the other devices that we use in our office. Um, and that will just make our experiences nicer. It'll make it more convenient. Just like uh, home automation is doing, you can enter your home and your home can sense that and play your favorite music. It knows it's you or somebody else. Uh, can turn on the lights the way you want, um, can change the temperature to the way you like it, put on the channel uh, or a show that you like. Uh, I think a, a lot of that will, it's something that we are seeing more and more in the home. and. We, won't, we spend more time in our office than we do in our home. So I think those same conveniences and those same luxuries are, we're going to see just more and more in, uh, in real estate as well. Thanks for joining us on the Place Tech Podcast. This episode has been brought to you in association with Ascensus, a flexible workspace software supplier. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast fix. All of our episodes will be on there. If you like this one, give us a social shout out. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you have any feedback or suggestions, please email news at placetech.net.